From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 15th, 2019, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And just down the road there in Nashville, author, speaker, right. podcaster, and cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Annie F. Oakley. That's right. Oh, I like it. I like That's it. very good. That is very good. <laughs> it's a winner. <laughs> hey, uh, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Passion joins us. They have a brand new album out. So Christian Stanfield, Brant Yonker, Melody Malone. Um, you know, I, everybody a couple weeks ago was talking about uh, the Passion conferences that were happening yeah. in multiple sites. Big announcement. Next year, they're taking over the Mercedes Dome there in Atlanta. It's amazing what's going on with Passion just as a movement, as you know, a generation encountering God, but also you know, the worship group, Passion. Yeah. Doing well, some and this stuff. was this was surprise release too. They dropped yeah. this. They did. They, you know, they pulled the surprise release, and it's fantastic. I don't know if you guys got a chance to listen. I haven't to this listened album. yet. You love it, Jesse? Oh, it's really good. I mean, yeah. it's you know, it's it's very uh, you know, and you're going to hear like a walkthrough of some of the songs, but it's real uh, like anthem heavy. Like I've been listening. I, we we had like the tour waltz on you know a few weeks ago, and that one's like a really ballad heavy and very introspective. This has like a different feel. This is very upward focused and very uh, y- you know uh, like heavy on the proclamations and anthem. It's a great it's a great worship record. You know, uh, yeah, the surprise release thing. I mean, when you think about the surprise releases, you got your Kanye, you got your Beyonce, you got Passion. You yeah, know, right there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still into the surprise release. I feel like there hasn't been one in a while, but I kind of I kind of miss the like waking up in the morning and be and like final like, something happened. Like the sun's shining a little brighter, kids are running in the streets. Who's the dream, Huck? Who's oh, like man. you wake up oh, in the morning? Man. You wake up in the morning yeah. and there's a YouTube album on your phone. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that was yeah. like the that was kind of the the, the worst case scenario. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know who I would want. I just like the like. I, I felt like that was kind of the. Like the Beyonce's first surprise release was the beginning yeah. of the transition of her from like being a very big pop star to being the An pop artist. star. Yeah, yeah. Like that was the. I, I feel like that's where it, something switched in her legacy. But I don't know if anybody else has that cultural cachet to make that same sort of Pokemon uh, evolution that she did. Oh, Pokemon yeah. evolution! Wow. <laughs> did, did you see this past week on Twitter that uh, somebody took a picture of Beyonce at Target? Yeah. No. no. What happened in Beyonce's life to lead to? And, and, and like she is, she is walking down an aisle in Target. No entourage. It's just her. She's walking down a, in the most Diana Ross type outfit you've ever seen in yeah, your life. Of course. It's really? like, why are you, if you're just, hey, why are you wearing that to Target? If you're going to Target, you want to kind of be the, the celeb incognito, wear the yeah. ball cap, you know, when Justin Timberlake, you know, take a picture of his new book at Target, you know, he's, he looks like he doesn't want to be seen. Beyonce is at Target dressing like Diana Ross. She's like wanting to be seen, but why are you at Target? I don't Target? think Beyonce plans to go to Target though. I feel like this was a hiccup in the no, day's no. plan. <laughs> so something's confusing about it because like, was she buying groceries? No, because that's what I'm saying. She was she was walking down an aisle that was like I, I looked like maybe like the shampoos and all that stuff. Okay. That aisle. but this is the thing that I couldn't figure out. It's not celebrity unicorn sighting at Beyonce at Target. It's why was she there? Like what yeah. was Beyonce in the car going? I need to pop into Target real quick. What okay, and to be possibly... fair, she's not dressed that bougie. She's just in a very beautiful jumpsuit, uh, and and Annie could show up in a Target in that same beautiful jumpsuit. So that's just a beautiful jumpsuit. Annie, if you're wearing that, you are going out on the town. You have a yeah. big old date in store. You underestimate how much I love a casual jumpsuit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, wait, but here's the thing: doesn't Beyonce? And Jay Z, don't they have like an army of assistants that would have to be on Target? Yeah. And if they need a new picture True. frame for the Magnolia collection, they can they can send one <laughs> of their numerous much. assistants to Target to fetch it for them. I, yeah. I, I, I've been in the home of a couple of people at a high wealth level, and and these people, there are people tending to the sta- the to the kitchen, to the cupboard. There's people tending to all the needs in the b- bathrooms and the bedrooms. There's no scenario where they're going to be like 
light, you know, like we're running out of toilet oh, paper and Beyonce is going to pop into Target. Right. Like the staff has taken care of that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and that's I what I'm saying. Like, and I wish I had a staff like that because they would return from Target and I would call all the staff and I would open the bag and inspect each item in front of the person <laughs> that bought it. And I would go, what do we have here? Eucalyptus sunrise shampoo. And I would go and squirt it upside down in a big pile on the floor in front of everyone. And I said, I said eucalyptus Juniper, and then I say, <laughs> "Clean it up!" And I make a show of it in front of everyone. Watch him, everyone, everyone, enjoy it now. Wow, make a big show, Jesse. That's why God doesn't trust you with, oh, with enough money to do that. Oh, that's what wealth. That's what wealth does to people, man. That's how wealth changes you. Humble them. I will humble them in ways they, they do not know that they can be humbled. I would squirt it just a big pile. And on the floor. like I'm sitting there thinking, like if she's needing like something for the the pantry, or whatever, I'm going like. I don't know, at a certain wealth level, the areas where she probably lives, there's high end retail stores like your Whole Foods and your things that are up a notch from Can't the Target. Target? Target? Nice. I mean, we, we know, I mean, not to, I mean, we know her affinity for Red Lobster. I mean, from, <laughs> yeah. She did, somebody pointed out that she was there the same day that Chrissy Teigen's new uh, cutlery collection was released to Target. Yes. And they're oh, friends. So she too. could have been there to support Chrissy. But even then, yeah. couldn't she just send Chrissy a million dollar check and be like, hey, right. congratulations on your big thing? Yeah. I mean, the downside of this picture, y'all should go Google it, is that not only the jumpsuit's beautiful, but she does have her sunglasses on in the middle of the aisle. So you're not trying to not be Beyonce. You're yeah. trying That's to be saying. Saying. You're wearing your sunglasses. Yeah. Beyonce, in the does, of the there's aisle. no days off when you're Beyonce. You know, yeah. I mean, every day starts the same. Every day starts the, the same. You look, you know, dress, look awesome, scream yeah. at assistance for a f- solid three to four hours, and right. then go buy your latest celebrity uh, endorsed cutlery collection or, you know, whatever product that they're out there. That's every day. And it's exhausting to yell at those people all day long. But it needs <laughs> to be done. It needs to, they need to be put in their place every single day, multiple times <laughs> in, a, in, humiliating, in a humiliating fashion. That's the application. It's a tough life. You know, the application process. I, I learned this. My sister was living out in Los Angeles and she applied, didn't get, but applied for a few of these jobs as like a celebrity assistant. But you don't know who the celebrity is. You don't get to apply to be Beyonce's assistant. They just tell you, hey, there is a certain number kind of celebrity. This person needs an assistant. Can you apply? And then you don't find out until you actually get the job. Really? So you could get, so you could get, you could be very disappointed. You could be like, oh, I'm going to be running errands with like me and Reese Witherspoon running around town together, like yeah. going shopping. And then you end up with like it's somebody like <laughs> Gary Busey. It's yeah. like, yeah. what yeah. the? Like some sort of Gary Busey something, or it, it could be, it could end up being a bad experience. Why? Like, so how do you, that's crazy that you would like, okay, you're, you're hired. Okay, well then, what is my who am I working for that you don't know? And it's almost like at that point you don't have any saying. You're stuck with somebody you don't want want to be. Right. With. You may not want to be like I don't want to roll Seth Rogen's blunts all day. I but that, yeah. this like a really fun job. I don't like Lala from Vanderpump Rules. I don't want to yeah. work for. I, yeah, I've never yeah. even I've never even heard of this guy. I don't I don't watch that Supernatural show on the CW. I don't need to help this guy. Man, pick I had out a friend who was product. a personal assistant to a movie star and. He um, asked her, he got her a phone separate from her normal phone and she had to sleep with it on her chest so that he could call her 24 hours a day and never wow. and her never not answer. So he made her sleep yeah. with the phone so that and I. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I I briefly, I did the same thing as a blind matching and the third meatball sub run I had to make for Craig T. Nelson. I'm like, this is a serious mistake. But it was sub of the month. It was sub of the month. You loved it. Don't even. He had like four four stamps left and I was like, all right, coach, I'm going back. I mean, you know, too good of a deal. Too good of a deal. uh, I believe your personal assistant is in the room. Can't, maybe we need to get and her on. Did she while. know what she was applying to work with? Did she know what she was getting herself <laughs> yeah. into? Annie, Can we get Annie, her on real what, quick? Annie, what what is the last thing she's done that hasn't been to your complete level of satisfaction? <laughs> <laughs> well, a desk. She was supposed to bring a new desk yesterday and or today, and it did not arrive. Is that what she told you? Yeah, that's what she says. <laughs> oh, she says okay. the desk yeah. has mm. not arrived yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, taking her word gotcha. for it there. Yeah, so she's fired. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying yeah. to say yeah. she's fired. This well, is her. I'm telling her right now in front of y'all. Obviously, <laughs> since the whole death debacle happened, <laughs> right, right, right. I, I trust her very little. 2019. <laughs> Rough way to come into 2019 without a new desk, but.
Just, and he's just standing there in the corner like a chump holding the mic, like right. no desk, you know. Right, no desk. All I ask you to do is bring a desk with you to work. Is is that too much to ask? Bring a desk with you to work. She couldn't oh, even do and it. And he just made eye contact. She's I feel like we need to get her on. I want to hear. I want to hear her tell me. Look in my eyes over the screen and tell me that the desk isn't hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you something. Oh, you're humiliated right now by me yelling at you. That's humiliating. Let me tell you what's humiliating. Working on a desk from last year's IKEA collection. <laughs> <laughs> out of my sight. <laughs> out of my sight. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about humiliation? <laughs> You heard the conversation, Jesse. That's what's embarrassing for me. Is my mic must have already been on. Andy, what kind of a boss are you? Are you are you a taskmaster? Do you do you delegate well? Do you do you like want them to be proactive? Do you want them to do things the way you want them done? Are you a control freak, or are you do you let go? What kind of I'm boss? I'm not are a you? control freak. Once I've given over a task, I do not I do not care about it again. But. Uh, we kind of work in, here's the list of things we need to get done today. And also, she's very good at going like, hey, here's three other things that you told me to do last week that you have. It's, it's, it's pretty much babysitting where she'll be like, hey, Annie, last week, you told me to tell you to do this. You still haven't done it. You need to do it so I can do step B, C, and D. And I'm always like, oh, boy, you're right. So it's more just keeping me on task. <laughs> Which is terrible. But the, well, you, you guys know this too. We just have a lot of things in our brains. And so me having a second brain that sits here and helps me remember all the things to get done means I always show up for this podcast. I need, I need, so, I need someone I can loudly, aggressively uh, shout ideas and insults at, at a minute's yeah. notice, at a moment's yeah, yeah, yeah. notice. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Write this I do down! That. Yeah. I for sure do that. Yeah, yeah. Just a lot. There's a lot of shouting. A lot of shouting. In, Write this in down. A bed sheet made of bubble wrap. Write it down. That's a great idea. <laughs> when I get back to work, I get back to Someone's got to, someone's got to hear these. Someone's got to be recording these. Okay. You know? Someone's got to help you. I can't be expected. Can't be, can't be expected to, to make notes myself. What? You know? <laughs> I don't have time. I don't have time for that. I will shout them. All right, it is uh it's the Tuesday episode and it's when we do slices. So it is now time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Okay, well before we get into slices, I just want to wish you all a very happy and a very merry Super Wolf Blood Moon, which is yeah. happening <laughs> later this week. So I hope well, you guys I are just taking... was dreaming you would bring this. It's a real, this isn't it's a even my term. slice. This isn't That's even my crazy. slice. I'm just assuming know, everyone. Just in your heart. Say the words it's again. Different. A super wolf wolf blood wolf moon. Moon. blood moon. What That's does just... that even mean? What is it? It's like a, it's like in a it's like in a week and a half from yeah, today. I mean, right? there's the a lot of prophecies going on. A lot of prophecies. It's in the Bible. Yeah. It's a Trump thing. I, it's deep. I mean, you want to go down the Super Wolf Blood Moon rabbit hole. I mean, I just want to just say I've, I've loved doing this podcast with you guys and uh, we've had a great run. But this is clearly the end. The Super Wolf Blood Moon is upon us. So uh, what it what it actually what a Super Wolf Blood Moon actually is, is in the ancient days when there was a war between the dryads and the wolf people. They they decided they shed blood, and ever since then, on the night of the final battle of war, there's been a, a super wolf blood moon once every thousand years, and this is prophesied Whoa. to be the last one. Uh, Annie, once every thousand years. Did, Annie, real quick, it, did the look on your face tells me that your assistant not only didn't inform you that a super wolf blood moon was coming, <laughs> but didn't give you a general history of why we still observe it? Bring yeah. her on the mic. Please screen yeah. her right if now. If I hadn't already fired her once today, I would fire her right yeah. now for not telling me about the super wolf blood moon. History. I want to ask you a question. Just a real blunt question. Did you think I should know about the Super Wolf Blood Moon? Because I'll tell you something. It happens once every thousand years. Now, did you want me to miss it and just be miserable? Because that's how obviously you've made my life. Or did you think that's something I already knew? A thousand years. Out of my sight. Out of my sight. Give me coffee, too. Uh, Starbucks. Hot one. What's that? Your phone. <laughs> right before the show, Chandler did get a uh, press release from a Christian publishing company. And the headline was what? Will the real Antichrist please stand up? There that you was go. the title of the There you go. Email. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the money. Uh, I, apparently is, in a week and a half, he will. Yeah. yeah. Once every thousand years. <laughs> I, I, the ancient lore, you know, time was different back then. Sure. Uh, for, sure. The, for the fairy folk. Dun, 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 so it, it's different. <laughs> you can't. Did you, 
did you just think I wouldn't be interested? Or did, oh, I know what you thought. I'm busy during the super blo- <laughs> blood moon this year. I'll catch it next thousand years. Is that what you were thinking? Out of my sight, give me a coffee. God help me if there's no foam. <laughs> Oh, I'm just, oh, I'm booked. I'm booked during the Super Wolf Blood Moon. Oh, okay. You keep my appointments. Yeah, that's fine. I'll just catch it next thousand years. Yeah. I heard the, the 30, 18, 19 Super Wolf Blood Moon is going to be great. Thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks out of my face. Wow. Yeah, so anyway, that's not even my slice. Okay. Jesse, so this is, you, you're a great uh, boss. I can tell. I can tell I you're a great it's, boss. It's, it's tough, but I, fair. Tough, but my fair. One, my, one, uh, my one thing in, in my career running relevant that I'm trying to do with Jesse is to make sure he's always in a position where he will not have an assistant. That's the one thing that I'm trying to do. <laughs> it would literally be like that episode. It would be the Kramerica episode of Seinfeld where you know I just have some guy Kramerica just trying, Industries. To, trying to make my harebrained ideas a reality. And I'm just constantly checking on him and telling him how poorly he's doing at it. You know, Darren. And when Darren ends up in trouble with the law, I've never met him before. Officers take him away. <laughs> I'm actually looking for a restraining order from this from this gentleman who claims my sister. Okay. So ever since the 1980s. Gallup has done a really interesting poll with the American public and they rank. How would you rate the honesty and ethical standards of people in different fields? And they, they wanted to find out who was the most trustworthy and who, what professions did Americans find the least trustworthy? So this year, one of the professions, uh, was actually at a record low for trustworthiness. Um, at one point, almost two thirds of Americans called this profession trustworthy. Now, uh, uh, not even 40% consider them trustworthy. Oh, wow. uh, so, uh, first, two questions. Tyler, you are exempt from this because you uh, helped us put together sure. a piece for this about for the website. So first, off what do you think the most trustworthy profession is uh cameron annie real quick rapid fire answers Uh, most trustworthy profession doctor close that's number two you you only got one chance to beat me cameron most trusted profession teacher that's that's actually close. Number four is a high school oh, teacher. I win. Number one, number one, uh, it's it's sort of it's in the medical field. Nurses, they actually people trust nurses more than doctors, which oh, it kind of makes sense when the when you have the nurse in there. That's when you're asking for the real scoop. You know, the doctor, yeah, 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 yeah. the doctor kind of gives you the business and leaves. They're busy. The nurse, you're like, so what are you saying there? Was I get that? I get that. Yeah. So yeah. what what profession do you feel like ha- is now at a record low and uh, is just below? Uh, uh, in the in the under forty percent, just below funeral directors and how untrustworthy they are. It's a record uh, low. Any guesses? Politicians? No, they are they are far lower, but uh, they they they're consistently <laughs> low. But this was a particularly oh. bad year for oh, another sorry. profession. Cameron, do you have um, a guess? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming a religion uh, beat uh, so pastors. Yes. It's, oh, the, it's no. the clergy That's pastors. Terrible. Yeah, they're at a, they're at an all time low in the in how much people trust them. Uh, you know, Gallup. You know, th- there's some bit of speculation as to what would cause people to you know now. So just for okay, so just for context, uh, they the only the people that are just under pastors right now in untrustworthiness, the two below them are journalists and building contractors. So that gives oh, you oh, about that gives and you. Did a, you say that, that funeral directors are right above? Yeah. Why yeah, do people not trust funeral directors? Well, well I, I think mean, that I, like an experience that that I, my family has had with like a lot of like surprise fees and yeah, uh, yeah. I'd oh. say the shadiness of pricing and like why why is a coffin ten thousand dollars and you know like why is oh, you know, okay. basic services you're like you're getting overcharged you know and that kind of stuff oh, and you're okay. taking advantage okay. of grieving families in a time Gosh. of you know, emotional vulnerability yeah that episode yeah. of Friday Night Lights where uh, where Matt's trying to put together his dad's funeral and he finds out that it, there's all the stuff he's been to, uh, very emotional episode. It's hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but anyway, so there's some speculation. Obviously, there's the, the, the scandals in the Catholic Church that has led to a lot of continued mistrust uh, among, you know, people in professional ministry uh, that are in high profile positions. But also, you know, in recent years, there's been, you know, uh, a, a political alignment with people in ministry that it seems to be getting more and more polarizing. And people really question whether, you know, that people in ministry are 
telling them the authentic truth of what they believe and what the Bible says or whether this has some sort of political agenda to it. Uh, so, yeah, it's the lowest year ever for pastors. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, do lowest. You, do you see it? Do you correlate it that it's with uh, a lot of uh, evangelical pastors with national platforms, you know, aligning so hard to one political ideology do you think it's that distrust? Well, it's been on a steady decline since 2002, but it's never okay. been this so low. So it's not like it's not like a one year. It, no, no, but but it's it. it's never been this low. Um, you know, it's kind of been back and forth, but it started in 2002. But I mean, I certainly think when you have, I mean, we did. I mean, just to speak bluntly, I mean, we had a piece on the site, you know, uh, about. It was it was Jerry Falwell Jr. did a did an interview with the Washington Post and he retweeted the post and said, you know, thanks for getting me right. Thanks for not editing this interview in a way that make me. He literally thanked the Washington Post. And one of the quotes he had was, you know, when talking about his reasons for supporting the current president was because, uh, you know, in his mind, it would increase wealth. And he had a line in there that was like, um, poor people have never given anything to charity, or at least not anything of substance, not anything very oh. important, which is literally the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. Like literally the story of the widow's might was the woman who gave two cents yeah. gave more than everyone else. Her yeah. gift means more because she gave out of need, out of poverty. And when you have pastors Ugh. willing to distort the basic message of the gospel to fit a political agenda, I definitely think that affects the overall trustworthiness. I don't think it's like a big coincidence that political alignment has hurt the trustworthiness objectively. You can look at numbers and see right. that. Uh, has has hurt and not helped their credibility. Right. I, I think if I remember right, this Gallup, the write-up for this particular Gallup poll made a direct connection to the scandals in the Catholic Church and some of the more recent scandals, uh, sexual abuse cover-up scandals in the, that happened in Protestant churches. But I know there have been other Gallup uh, polls from Gallup too, I yeah. believe, that have drawn a correlation between political alignment and a uh, lack of trustworthiness. I, yeah, and, because it, it's clergy. You're right. I mean, there's been several, and we've talked about them extensively on this podcast. Several megachurch pastors uh, that you know were very credible people um, be exposed to be uh, you know predators and, and and to to you know have histories of sexual abuse that were covered up. Uh, you know, like that that that's become unfortunately a common. Uh, a storyline. So I don't think it's any, it shouldn't be a huge surprise that it's affected the credibility of people in professional ministry. You know? Takes wow. a hit on, on everyone and, and not just clergy. I don't think either, but, but people who work in churches, uh, people who work in parachurch organizations, uh, Christian relief ministries, like yeah. all these people are, are affected <laughs> when there's a, a blow to the church. And it's very sad to see uh, some of the fallout of that. People who write Christian books, speak professionally at, at churches. Aspiring. Cowgirl <laughs> um, extraordinary. Those yeah. kinds of people in your podcasters. They're terrible bosses. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes people find out those types of people are take it very easy on their assistants, and that is yeah. outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> oh All right, what do you have, Tyler? Um, so in a, in a, this will be a little bit of a pivot from, from Jesse's because I want to talk, I want to talk about a Christian leader who, uh, who I, I have a lot of respect for, who I've always had a lot of respect for, who I think most, most, uh, listeners. So much. And, uh, and she's right here on this podcast right now. And uh, I don't think, it's, I don't really have a slice. I just, I'm just a fan. I just, what I would like to do to honor you, Annie, to honor you is we all go around the table and we say something, just something we've really thought about. Very mean about your assistant. Please bring her on. We want to honor you today. If you go to your closet right now and open it, you're going to find a brand new assistant right there waiting for you. I vetted him myself. He's good at his job. Just kidding. Okay, sorry. Who do we actually respect? Go ahead. Uh, An assistant who knows the difference between a Diet Coke and a Diet Pepsi. Um, so I, I was I was actually going to bring up uh, Beth Moore, uh, yeah. author, okay. uh, tweeter, uh, somebody who spent like like my, I feel like, and we've talked about this maybe on this podcast already, how she's kind of had a resurgence in her uh, and maybe her 
uh, just like being on in the spotlight. She's had a big profile in the Atlantic a couple of weeks ago about her. Uh, she's been a little more outspoken on social media. Maybe she's made of some enemies. She's spoken with us here at Relevant about how it's cost her some some people, some, some customers, people who buy her books. But she also says it's brought in some new ones. So she... Uh, got herself in in a very little bit of of hot water or something that she tweeted about, and I kind of wanted all of y'all's opinion on this. Annie, I'd be particularly interested yeah. in yours. As my, I, I totally just, know where you're going. I'm you don't know you. where you're going. I'm going with this. Okay, I don't, I don't think this is going to be too uh, contentious or anything. I was actually a little bit surprised by how contentious it got uh, online, and even when we posted it, uh, we talked about this on the side, Jesse, and I, I know that it caused yeah. a little bit of a stir. Yeah. So this is. I'll read her. It, it was a. It was three tweets. I'll read them. She said this, uh, spending time with God and spending time with the Bible are not the same thing. The Bible is the word of God, crucial to knowing him, but it's not God. We can study our Bibles till the second coming and leave God completely out of it. We can grow in facts and never grow a wit in faith. Do not be deceived. People who study the scriptures constantly are continually mean-spirited, rude, slanderous, and aside their religious rhetoric, bereft of outward evidences of the Holy Spirit are having Bible study without God. He affects us. You can take that to the bank. I will emphasize once more that my point is not studying studying scripture less. I am a proponent of daily Bible study. It's my practice, my life work, and my delight. My point is that we need, we need God in our study of his word. I'm just saying don't leave Jesus out of Bible study. Yeah, it's a hot take. Hot take. hot take. I mean, anyone who's waded into a theological discussion, uh, you know, with someone who's like fashions themselves like a master of apologetics, right? It's not hard to see that get mean, you know, or to see that get sure. like, sure. you know, real v- people use scripture to, you know, inject venom into someone instead of inject life. Like, I don't feel like her observation there that, look, it's totally possible to read and know scripture with the motivations being, I'm going to use it as a weapon, uh, uh, as opposed to approaching it humbly, which is, I think what she is a proponent of is to try to be Mm. a reliant on the Holy spirit and and approach scripture with the humility that look, maybe God, you're going to show me something I don't already know. And that doesn't confirm my existing biases. Yeah. I I feel like that's a totally fair, um, you know, uh, observation. Annie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's I'm, you know, I mean, scripture says that true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Right. And so and I think that's what she's saying is don't be all one or the other. The experience of both God in his presence and the Holy Spirit and the experience of studying scripture need to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And she really I mean, if anyone is the expert on on yeah. this in our world, oh, it real. is Beth Moore. There's no one who's written more studies. There's no one who is more widely, especially for Christian women. There's no one who is being uh, her resources are being used more widely than Beth Moore. So for her to say, hey, don't just study the scripture and not actually have experiences with the Lord separate or, uh, you know, then then sh- people will listen to her for that. Because if she said, you need to study scripture no matter what, even if you don't connect it with actual, <laughs> actually with God, then um, that would make sense because that would sell books, right? <laughs> I mean, but oh, she sure. is just yeah, not about yeah. selling books right now. Yeah. She is not about getting more resources out. She is about making sure people know what is true and real. And I, I could not be a bigger fan of her. Yeah. I, I could see why people would, um, I, I can see where people would come from in their disagreement. I, I would disagree with them, but I understand that there is a certain lines of theological thought that would get very antsy about saying spending time with the word is not the exact same thing as spending time with God. What I was yeah. surprised by was the vehemence and uh, honestly, the spite, the spitefulness, I kind of, because I mean, she's... Were you, were you surprised? Because who is meaner on the internet than Christians? Because it's she's true. Beth Moore. She's like, she has built up a lifetime since before I was born. This woman has been yeah. building uh, a a long, very credible legacy of, of being a... As, She's read the Bible as much as anybody alive in the world right now. Yeah. I'd be, I would put money down on that. And for people to come out and not to say I disagree, but, but to, to accuse her of and some very petty and, and mean spirit accusations that I don't need to give credit to here on, on this right. podcast. But it's, it's just, it's very sad. And I would say it proves her point entirely. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And you know, I actually just had this conversation with a friend here in town where 
she was invited to do an event and did the event and just got chewed up by Christians oh, on really? Twitter and Instagram. And then I got invited to the event this year and uh, we were talking back and forth and she was like, here's all the reasons I love doing it. Are you willing to what, what, what uh, type of an screen? event? What uh, type it, of an event? I, I mean, don't say it, but you like you can't. Say like what? Yeah, it's, I mean, a, what it's an ta- event with a lot of different kind of people there. Uh, oh, okay. All right, and gotcha. So and so, her going there caused a lot of stir, and so because it's seen as an endorsement of yes, of various streams, yes, which yes, some people yeah. would not be considered to be orthodox. A hundred percent. And so then she literally sent me screenshots. She was like, "Look at the, this! Is the kind of stuff people said to me in my DMs. This is the kind of stuff people tweeted at me." And she was like, "I mean, if you're willing to hear all that about you, then you should say yes to this." And I thought. She is talking about Christians. That is Christians who are saying that to her. What in the world is going on? These are not oh, people who are in a, these are people who could sit by you at church and <laughs> would never say that stuff to your face. They would hug you at church and sit by you at church and be so nice at church and then get on their Instagram and say terrible stuff about you to mm. you and to other people. And it makes me furious, clearly. But so yeah, Beth Moore is right. Christians are terrible on the internet, especially the ones who um, so vehemently disagree on something like what she's talking about. Why well, do you? Fi- why? Why are Christians? I mean, I get the whole thing is like you have to agree. I, I. It seems like Christians in particular struggle with like I am completely right, and if you don't agree with me about everything that I believe, yeah. then you're completely then you're wrong. Done. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like what? But why is that? so? One of the things Beth Moore teaches. Let's keep going down the Beth Moore track. One of the things she teaches that has really impacted me is the idea that there are spine things and there are rib things. There are things in our faith that are the backbone and Jesus is the backbone. Like he is the way, the truth of life. He is the backbone and all a bunch of other topics are just ribs, right? Like the the one we have to agree on is the backbone and the rib ones are important because they protect your organs, but, but you don't have to all agree on them. And that has been really good for me when I disagree with someone to go, okay, is this a backbone thing or a rib thing? Is this like the yes that has to be a yes? Or is it something that we could disagree on and still all be neighbors in heaven? Right. And I think Christians too, they have a reputation for punching down a lot. Like it's one thing when it's someone like, I mean, we're just talking about Jerry Falwell Jr. and something that he needs to be held accountable for saying, but he's the president of the world's largest Christian university. You know, right. like he has a position of influence and with, with that comes accountability. There's a difference between thoughtful, the thoughtful exchange of ideas that can, you know, wade into criticism to mm-hmm. being looking for opportunities to punch down on someone who's like, just some random person in a comment thread or, right. you know, just, just someone who, you know, doesn't have like a huge platform that may have, you know, made a mistake publicly that it's really easy to publicly shame. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like Christians have developed a reputation for punching down, especially when it comes to vulnerable communities to, you know, victims of injustice that don't have a platform. It's, I mean, for, for, for decades, that's been the thing. It's not just like, look, if there's another public, if there's someone who's a public intellectual that wants to say provocative things, I think there's some expectations that people may, you know, offer thoughtful pushback without being overly mean or personal. I, I, I don't feel like that's outside of the realm of what can be expected. But when Christians go out, go out and look for people to or look for things to be outraged about or to be offended about so that they can feel more self-righteous. You know, I feel like it's easy, like the distinction between righteousness and self-righteousness at that point begins to blur to the degree where it no longer matters. And that's where things get destructive. You know, it is it is one of the scariest in the right word. It's one of the uh, most disturbing parts of my job is that before I say most things publicly, I have to think about what, what are the Christians going to say? It is infuriating. I grew up in the charismatic world, you know, and I went to a fundamentalist Baptist high school, like, like, and like, anti, like, like Bob Jones university, like yeah. anti charismatic. Right. And it was like, I learned a lot in Bible class and stuff. And, and I, and I realized like, you know, uh, the Baptist, kids like or, or that that denomination really emphasized like a depth of teaching and bible study and stuff that the charismatic world didn't it was more focused on experience you know and spiritual encounter and all that and it was just like i i don't know maybe there was something in me like at a young age that just kind of i realized kind of like well there's areas of disagreement 
theologically between these two denominations or these two streams, but like there's a lot of agreement about Jesus and scripture and things like that. And it's like, why can't we build on that versus like, you know, being scared of people who see the world differently than you or the other, you know, and like kind of lobbing grenades at them. We didn't have social media back then, you know, I'm wondering, but like, I kind of just like grew up and then I, you know, I went to a crazy charismatic university or Roberts university. And then I moved to Nashville, which is Southern Baptist. And, and I just realized like every stream has, feels like they have it all figured out and they don't know or look at anything outside of their stream. You know, like the, you could be really famous in a certain stream of the church and completely unknown in another stream of the church. Right. And it was just, I always, and all of these streams, I felt like an outsider on the inside and like, just kind of like observing and going, you know, like when I was in Tulsa, like I felt like there was a bigger gospel than the gospel that they preached in Tulsa, which was a very me-centered Christianity. And it was very much about prosperity and healing and stuff like that. And it's like, and then I moved to Nashville and I'm at that time, it was, you know, the kind of the charismatic worship, Hillsong, things like that hadn't really crossed over. And it was just like, I, there was a encounter with the Holy Spirit that I felt was like missing, you know, the, like in the spiritual conversation uh, there. And it, like, but so when we launched Relevant, I was like, I want to draw, you know, in my opinion, there's many streams, but one river. And I want us to like build bridges of, of understanding and awareness. Like we may put some ideas or voices in our on our platform that you disagree with, but I want you to at least listen to what they're saying and consider it. Cause my gut is that we're going to find a lot more that we agree with and disagree. Right. And so it's like, can we build, you know, uh, understanding and unity that way? And then it seems like in the social media era, it's just kind of devolved to the worst that it's been, you know, before yeah, yeah. it was like, fear of the unknown. I don't understand these other denominations, but you don't interact with those denominations, you know, but now it's like, I have a platform to criticize anybody who doesn't see the world the way I do. And it's just gotten so, so, you know, yelling at each other. And it's just, it's discouraging on one hand, because <laughs> I'm a bridge builder. It's like, I may disagree with you on a lot of areas, but like you said, spine and rib, like the spine stuff, I'm, I, I got your back, you know, we're there. And, uh, you know, like, and, and we can chew the meat and spit out the bones. I want to understand you. I want to understand why you see the world the way you do. I want to understand why you feel that way. And, and then I can agree or disagree, but that doesn't affect me. I, you know, hopefully I grow as a person because of being open to these other ideas or. And I would even say that's a a place where I've really started to miss the art of, uh, and I I think our culture is missing the art of debate, which used to be such a robust, uh, field, that people would be and it wasn't people yelling at each other or calling each other names, but it was people with substantive ideas that, that were different and they would go on stage and they would trade ideas back and forth and, and it would be an argument, but it would be an argument based in mutual respect respect, and, mutual uh, respect. and yeah. ideas that were, that both had merits and they would try to suss them out and people would go watch them to figure out how they thought. Cause they wanted to see two people who both knew a lot about their respective fields. I was watching an old video of, of James Baldwin, the very famous author, and civil rights leader and William F. Buckley. Uh, this was in the 1960s and they were debating at a university and it was just, it was lively and it was interesting and they both appreciated each other's viewpoints and, and it was and it was just something I have not seen. It can't happen on social media, but I don't even, I don't see it in our politics. Uh, I certainly don't see it in our faith and our, and our like faith outworking here in America. Right. And I, I would hope that there's some way to rebuild that place where we can see ideas pitted against each other in a way that is actually powerful and based in, in charity towards each other. And, uh, and to come away feeling like you know more about both sides and have seen them tested against each other. Yeah. But, but it, you know, the sad thing when it comes to Christians, it's not, it's not like an, it totally, like you were saying, Cameron, like social media, as it does with a lot of things, uh, you know, accelerates things and, and accelerates and, um, you know, uh, causes the worst of human nature to flourish in unpredictable ways. But it's not a new, you know, you look at Peter and Paul, right? They had the same thing. They could no longer be around each other because they had a, a theological disagreement. And they're like, all right, you go over there. I'll go over here. And that's see you, man. You know, like this is something that, you know, Christians have been dealing with literally since the very beginning. That, right, you know, there's right. disagreements among believers about things that in a lot of cases ultimately end up being relatively trivial. And it's, you know, mitigating those and recognizing them is important uh, because it's something that's affected the church, like I said, since the very beginning. Bring your sis, bring your assistant in. I'll scream at her for a minute to transition. 
<laughs> All right. What do you have, Annie? Well, A, I love that conversation and I want us to have that a lot. B, I have a slice about a Russian robot, which just sounds so stupid now compared oh, no. to what Pokey this is, this, is, this is the breath of, of fresh <laughs> water. Very, we these two words parched. are in the zeitgeist right now. You know, this smart, is very you know. cowgirl extraordinaire of me to bring a slice about a Russian robot, but here we AI go. AI is a big deal. Russia is obviously in the headlines a lot these days. This, sound, this right. is going to put us on the right, map. Right. We're this just is the keeping it. We're slicing on. Slice on, everybody. So This, this, this is, this is as we're Refreshing to me as a well-timed personal insult to a lowly assistant. Bring your slice, Annie. Bring your slice. Give us life. Give us life. Build a new, build us back. So, on the Russian television station, Roycia 24, it's a news channel, they showed this footage of Boris, who is a dancing and singing Boris. robot, that was at a, right? Of like, course. isn't that what an American would name a Russian robot? I, it blows my mind. But, I, I think you're uh, he, It was at a technology forum for students and they were saying like look this is the first full body like <laughs> robot that acts like a human that has ever been created Boris is the first one and we're showing you students and like it can like he, walk around like what yeah, what is he, it oh, doing I'm gonna tell you, he walks around like he dances yes he, dances. he can do okay. yeah he's pretty good at dancing and he talks lights flash on his mask there's lights that flash all these different colors and he said I'm good at math and now I want to study art and musical composition. And then he starts dancing. And it's, this whole thing is being videoed. Which Boris is, how is kind of shown. a renaissance robot. He, he, right. wants, he has Boris many. Has a lot of skills. He's a he, Boris. Does he end it by? He goes, the only skill I do not have is how to love. And everyone says, oh, Boris. We love Poor you. Boris. Um, no. And in fact, what ended up happening is people start going like, man, he's actually a really good dancer. Like that's a surprisingly good dancing that Boris is doing. But uh, I hate to break it to you and to Russia, to the entire world. Actually, what some of the images revealed and caught is it was a human inside of a robot outfit. (laughs) Russia was trying to trick every student into believing they had created an actual robot that operates like a human. Instead, it was a human inside of a robot costume. There was like oh. a gap between the bodysuit and the headpiece, and the kids were it. able to see. I respect it. I do respect it. it. I do. I, I do. Because that's so hilarious. Boris the robot is actually Boris the Russian in a robot suit. I, I'm sure anyone is, you know, in, in, in business or advertising has heard the phrase perception is reality. If those kids believe Russia has a dancing, hilarious robot that can do math and, and, and read poems and or whatever, do, then yeah, they do have a robot that can do that. And, you know, like I said, perception. <laughs> reality. Who cares if it was real or not, Annie? You just yep. threw a cold bucket of ice water on Boris. You treated him as I, I treat assistants. And just uh, 24, it. the radio, the TV station did it first. I just, I'm telling you the truth. That's all I'm telling you. I think I've said this about some other cons we've discussed on here, but what's more impressive, a singing, dancing robot or the amount of effort and ingenuity it goes into convincing everybody around <laughs> yes, you yes, that built a yes. singing, dancing robot? They're both incredible feats of creativity. I, I don't know. If you're a news station, like if it's like Good Morning Americans, like, hey, I got it. There's a brand new tech company. They have a, a, a robot you got to see. And there was a robot that was just insane, look, could do insane things. I don't think anybody would doubt it. I'd be like, oh, that's, that's really incredible. Like, it seems like a relatively easy con to pull off, you know? Right. Right. And like, just make sure that the bodysuit covers his neck. Like, you had him. Is that what it was? You had the him with Achilles the robot heel? voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they saw his skin okay. between saw the neck hair. They saw the, the, yeah, they saw the, the telltale <laughs> neck hair. We've confirmed that they didn't just build a, a human skin inside this actual robot. I mean, no, I didn't confirm that. Unfortunately, no. you are. This is why you're a better journalist than me. I would say the case is not yet closed. My assistant fired for finding that slice. <laughs> is this the new one that I just got you? Already out the door. Well, yeah, already out the door. Obviously. And also, everybody who's ever listened to the show knows that I have the struggle bus of finding the right slice. So they know it's I like it. I liked it. I liked it. I still I feel like I'm getting way better at it. I think your assistant did a good job, but I think you need to send her a message by firing her. Firing her right now. You know, you don't want to she did one good she did one task very well. Now she's acting all out the door. Yeah, see you. See you later. You you just did your job a little too well. And that makes me suspicious. Clean out your desk and get out of here. Get out of my face. Get out of my side. Clean out your desk. She didn't even bring it. Yeah. 
depend on what desk. Exactly. What desk? Exactly. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Passion joins us. And it's Listening to Zuzu, the song is "Can't Be Alone." At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Alice Merton with "Why So Serious." A little poppy for the opener, but you know, figured lyrically made a lot of sense for this show. <laughs> Thematically, yeah, yeah. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by Church Home. You know, on our phones, we can be connected to anyone, anywhere. But how do you actually find meaningful, positive connections and tune out all the negative noise? For me, it's with the new Church Home global app. What we love about Church Home is that it's not about excluding people. It's about being together and everyone's welcome. The Church Home global app allows you to connect with people from around the world, have honest discussions and create meaningful relationships all from your phone. What I like about the Church Home app, you can watch amazing amazing teachings by like Judah Smith. He's one of my favorite uh, preachers and teachers. But they also have a great feature called the Daily Spark, which is just a quick way to start your morning positively with inspiration from Judah and Chelsea, uh, Church Home's pastors. Join me today on the Church Home Global app. You can download it for free uh, in the App Store or at Google Play. Or just search for Church Home Global app. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-O-M-E, Global app. Or you can text RELEVANT to 555-888 and they'll send you the link. Remember, that's Church Home Global app, available at App Store or Google Play, or text RELEVANT to 555-888. Well, the worship outfit Passion has just released a powerful new album called Follow You Anywhere. On it, the group, uh, which is based out of Atlanta's Passion City Church, focuses on bold proclamations about the love of God and how we can get closer to Him through worship. Uh, Passion is made up of a trio, a lot of people, but uh, mainly Christian Stanfield, Brett Brett Yonker, and Melody Malone. Uh, We recently spoke with them about the album and got a behind-the-scenes look at some of its standout tracks. Here's our conversation with Passion. started writing a song uh, for our church. Uh, it was me and Jason Ingram and Brett Yonker and Phil Wickham worked on this song. And the idea of this song started because uh, I wanted to have a song that our church could sing. You know, our church is going to be 10 years old um, in 2019, uh, or actually just a couple, a couple months. And uh, God's done so much, you know, but I wanted our church to have a song to sing. So we've seen God do so much in our church and in our lives, but we've got to believe there's always more to come uh, with Jesus. And so that's really what this song is about. And it says in Psalms that if we could tell all of the great things that God has done, uh, well, it says we can't tell of all the great things that God has done because he's done so much. And that's really the heart of this song. It's remembering that God has a perfect track record. He's never let us down. He always has been faithful. He always will be faithful. And so that's where we put our hope and our trust and our faith and our strength. And we put our all of that in a God who never fails. And so it's good to give people this song to sing. We need these songs to sing, these songs of faith to sing to help us remember uh, who we're singing to and who we're living for. writing songs about the cross and about the resurrection it's so important to us because um that's that's where worship hinges on that moment you know that's the crux of our worship if there is no cross and death uh jesus doesn't die on the cross and if he doesn't raise from the dead then we really don't have anything to sing about and so we always want to take people to the cross and say this is 
this is where worship emanates out from is the cross of Jesus. And um, the chorus just, I love it because this song takes all of the attention and the focus off of us and it just puts it on Jesus. And the chorus just essentially says, look at him, look at what he's done. Look at the redemption that he's won for us. Uh, Worship him, sing endless hallelujahs to his name because he alone is worthy of it. And so for us, we're always going to, we're always going to fight to have these kinds of songs on a passion project uh, because the cross is where it all happens. some tension while we were writing this song a few of us wrestled actually it was the same group as Jason Ingram Phil Wickham Brett and myself worked on this song actually we wrote this song the same day we wrote More to Come we wrote this song right after we finished More to Come which was kind of wild but there was a little bit of tension in this I mean even the opening line of the song it says you make it easy to love you and you're like whoa can I say that (laughs) you know but the truth is that that God does his part God does his part to make it easy for us to love him and trust him I mean going back to what I was saying before he he has a perfect track record he is faithful that that's his story he makes a promise he keeps it so he makes it easy for us to we just we struggle with letting go we struggle with the surrender and we wrestle with it and that's okay but I think that's the tension in the song. And even on the bridge where it says, wherever you lead me, whatever it costs me, all I want is you. And honestly, since we've been leading the song for people at our church or at Passion, uh, I feel the tension in the room every time we sing this because it's like, do I really want to say that to God? Because I feel pretty good with where I'm at right now, <laughs> you know? And uh, that, but this is the gospel, you know? And it's the heart, it's the heart of the gospel. And it's, it's been the heart of passion since passion started all those years ago. Um, the gospel is, is moving forward and it moves out through us. And, he, and Jesus said, go, go out, go here, there, go everywhere and take the, the story of the cross and the story of redemption and the story of mercy to people. And um, that's what we've leveraged our lives for. That's what we've said yes to. And so that's also why we wanted to call the record Follow You Anywhere because we feel like it really embodies not just passion, but the message of Jesus. That was passion. Be sure to check out their new album. It's called Follow You Anywhere. It's out now. for Orphans, we believe the church is the solution to caring for orphans. Through holistic, Christ-centered education and care to vulnerable children in developing countries, as well as adoption financial assistance to Christian families in the U.S., LifeSong invites you to join in living out God's call to care for orphans. LifeSong serves adopted families and churches at zero cost, and 100% of the donations go directly to helping children in need. You are called to serve orphans. We can help. Find out how at lifesong.org forward slash relevant. I can't get no sleep. I look so good in green. I run, I run, I run, I run. And I don't have no more dreams. I drive around on my own. Feel dead, but I feel my bones. I hide out on my throne. Open up, now my cover's blown. You're listening to Joji. The song is No Fun. All caps. Okay, it's time for... You listen to the show, and it's time to get to know you. It's the listener of the week. Okay, uh, Jesse, you scoured the Twitter feed this week. Uh, People were nominating themselves to Mm -hmm. be our listener of the week by sending in three interesting (laughs) facts about themselves. Tell us who is joining us on today's show. Today we have Titus, and Titus caught my eye for a couple of reasons. Uh, Well, let's say hi to Titus. Titus Kipfer. Titus, welcome to the show. Hey, Titus. What's up, guys? Hey, Hello, where Titus. are you uh, calling us from, Titus? 
I'm from Charlottesville. I'm sure you guys know where that is now. Charlottesville. Oh, oh yeah. I've heard oh. Oh. the news a little lately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do there in Charlottesville? Uh, so I have a lawn care company that I run in the summer and in the winter. I do missionary work. Oh, nice. When you're when you're uh, mowing the lawns, do you tend to uh, have to like run over the tiki torches, or oh my god, typically <laughs> take them out? I, I, do, of... I do try to avoid those. Those can be hard on the blades. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Guys, I feel like lawn care companies are a perfect opportunity to use a clever name. Like I have a. Yeah. Guy, Didn't you have I, one, Jesse? Well, I have a couple names. I have a friend who has a lawn care company, and he's yeah. like into surfing. It's Turfs Up, Turfs Up, and he's got a okay. little story guy. Turfs <laughs> up you live in a beach town. I like yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. People are like, oh, I have this. I'll have these friendly surfers over to cut my grass. Yeah. I have one that I'd like to pitch. Uh, yeah. Kiss my grass. Kiss <laughs> my grass. Oh, it's oh, sassy. Hope the kids are in bed. It's Hope sassy. the kids are in bed for this one. It's, <laughs> it's sassy, but it tells you it's grass. So good you want to kiss. Titus, what's your grass company called? And the 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 stakes are incredibly high right now, friend. Because the the stakes. So it is super boring. It's called Charlottesville Lawn Service. You can't get more generic and boring than that. But it's trustworthy. It's it's a it sounds steady, solid. Steady right. steady you, you couldn't have gone like the cutting edge, you know, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's Titus. really weird that you said that. I used to work for a company called Cutting Edge Lawn Solutions. I'll get him to listen to that. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, easy to Google. Annie's right. This is a very easy to go. And wh- yeah. what's your what's your missions work, Titus? Um, I don't really want to say the country because um, if they figure it out, uh, they might not give me the visa, but I am trying to reach unreached villages is kind of my focus. Okay. Titus, here's what, here's what caught me about yours. Like two of them, I, I feel like, well, they'll be, they'll be pretty good. They'll be pretty interesting. But one, I'm going to kick it off with this one. Because Are you I, kicking it off with the, the big one? Okay, let you know. Let's back it. Let, let let's 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 get let you get warmed up for a second. Why don't we just go go in the order that he gave them to us? Okay, in. okay. Because I, I like the think. first one. That one's you know really caught my. Okay, Titus. Okay, so I almost got. It says I almost got arrested for leaving misunderstood artwork in a restaurant. Do tell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is great. I'll try to put the artwork up on Twitter later. Um, so I was in this little country diner, uh, drinking coffee and reading and doing some doodling. Right. And I don't, I don't know. I was kind of in a weird stage in my life and I wanted to eat pizza instead of, uh, ordering some off the menu. So I left the restaurant. I think I was trying to save money or something. Left the restaurant, went to a gas station nearby to get some pizza. And, gas um, station I pizza? accidentally, I, What's yes? <laughs> you <laughs> that, that's you've made some poor decisions in your life. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My other poor decision was I left the, my some doodling on the table, and what it was is it was supposed to be spiritually understood, but the carnal waitresses took it a little too literally. It was the armies of God were attacking the armies of the enemy, so they were like shooting at them with guns and stuff. And wow. my caption was, uh, "We're on the offense, not the defense." Okay. And so I was walking I'm back checking. to the restaurant. It's like we're fighting spiritual warfare, right? right? I was walking back to the restaurant and this cop pulls up and he's like, uh, were you at Inwood restaurant? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, did you leave some stuff there? And suddenly it all clicked in my mind what happened. And I was so, they, they stuck me in the back of a cop car, which turns out is pretty tight and there's a grading and, and all that. It's, it's not the most pleasant experience. Yeah. And I, so on the way back to the restaurant, I was explaining, you know, spiritual warfare and everything to the cops. But yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. You got put in the back of a police car for your creative expression? Yeah, for this is Christian it, yes, persecution. It, and the, I can't believe it. We, you have rights in this country. Oh my god! But, but, so, but the, the waitress, she assumed you got up and left, and in lieu of uh, in lieu of like a, a tip or a note of anything, you left what would appeared to be, without your spiritual insight and context, a very disturbing <laughs> and violent image with a potentially uh, uh, a very aggressive message directly addressed directly to her. So, I mean, can you blame her though, Titus? I mean, I feel like. When I look at Christian art, here's my thing. I don't want subtlety. I want to see a literal Jesus standing in the middle of the boardroom directing the conversation. Subtlety has no place in Christian art, Titus. Have you not learned anything from looking at the Lifeway posters? (laughs) Yeah, I figured that out the hard way. 
I know you said you'd post this this art later, but I am curious, Titus. You said you you have the armies of God on one side, and and then the Satan's armies on the other. What? How were they? Are these like demons with pointy tails and horns? That was part of my problem. They were very normal looking stick figures with yeah, guns. Okay, that could have been. Oh, that could be that's misleading. That's a right. detail that you left out. That it's really not, feels not, like it ties all the together, Titus. You. Not blaming you, but I can see where the misunderstanding would come from. Listen, if there, listen, if I had a dollar for every time I made spiritually inspired artwork that was confused for a terrorist threat, I could buy my own slice of gas station pizza right now, Titus. I understand how misunderstandings like this would happen. When did you get out of prison? Oh, oh, that was just recently. Yeah, I was in there for quite some time, got bailed out eventually, thankfully. Jesse, did you notice at the beginning of a story, you said he was sitting in a country diner and just doodling? Yeah. In my head, I thought that'd be a good word for like just sitting around doing dude stuff, you know? Just doodling. (laughs) doodling. (laughs) So me and my buds just doodling this afternoon. Y'all are just talking about cars, hacky sack, frizzy, (laughs) you know, just to go catch the big game. Getting some hot tub hot takes. You're just doodling. Yeah, talking about, talk about the latest thing that happened to Sportsman. It's just doodling. <laughs> just, just, just doodling. Just doodling. Just, <laughs> to coin it. Uh, hey, okay, number two, second fact. I camped in the midst of hyenas and lions. Nope. Yeah, so uh, my parents were missionaries in Kenya, Africa. So I grew up in Kenya, and they were Amish Mennonite missionaries, by the way. So thanks for making fun of my tribe a, a couple weeks back there. Um, <laughs> well, so I've never heard it, though, Titus. It's fair game if they're, if they're spiritually <laughs> yeah, if not you're allowed to listen. You're not super Amish anymore, Titus. Yeah, what so. By the way, I'm curious, <laughs> Titus, burying the story here. But you grew up Amish uh, Mennonite, yet you're calling into a podcast on Skype right now. Did you do the thing where you get to go away and experience technology and then re-embrace it? Is, how, how did that work? How are you, how are you using technology the room, the right room now? Thing. No, so Amish Mennonites, it's, it's called the Beachy Conference. It's, it's basically Amish who wanted to drive cars a while back, and so they started their own little split. And they're actually a lot more modern than traditional uh, Amish. Look at the slippery slope. One day you're driving cars, next thing you're calling in a podcast on, uh, on a mobile device. <laughs> over Skype. Look how far yeah. you, look how far the cars have taken you, Titus. It is definitely the slippery slopes of apostasy. Um, wow. So, anyways, we were, we were uh, growing up in. I, I grew up in Kenya, and yeah, we would go camping in this place called Nakudu Park, where they had. It was like a game reserve, you know, where you go on your safaris and stuff, and. So, uh, you know, we pitch our tent right in the midst of the hyenas and lions. I remember laying in my sleeping bag, uh, listening to hyenas barking and realizing that there was just a, a pretty thin, you know, piece of canvas between me and some hungry lions who might want a snack. So, yeah, that, that was pretty intense. That's wild. That is that is wild. You aren't I mean, intense. You, I see what you did there, Titus. Yeah. So you <laughs> see, you you can come up with a great pun like that was an intense situation, and yet you don't even have a clever name for your grass company, Titus. <laughs> I think your priorities are off here, friend. Okay. Uh, third third fact. Here we go. I started an alliance, capital A. I started an alliance when I was a kid and tried to annex other kids under the threat of water violence. Do tell. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm sure you guys. Kind of I'm, I'm sure you guys have had uh, water battles before, but th- this was a whole new level. We would have more like water wars um, that were based on you know getting revenge on your enemy. So we, we grew up in this little like small missionary compound where our houses were right next to each other, and we, uh, you know, were pretty cooped up when we were kids. So we would always hang out and do get into crazy stuff, and so. Now, uh, basically, uh, to, to try to, uh, you know, keep from being taken advantage of, I, I formed an alliance of kids. We were all on the same side and, uh, you know, to protect each other when if people would try to ambush us with buckets of water. And I would try to force other kids to join uh, the alliance. And, if you know, if there was a libertarian free spirit type kid who didn't want to join, um, we would declare war on him. And, you know, he's walking out from school or whatever. And you, you run out of the bushes with a bucket of water and soak him. You know, so that's that's how that went. Oh my well, that sounds, sounds like a very constructive a thing to do. Kid. Yeah, I, I can see I see where your heart for missions comes in there, guys. Before you go, man, I'm going to I got one more name I want to pitch to you. It's not too late to change it. And it would be very honoring to this experience, this, this life altering experience you had of talking to us if you change your lawn company to mo money mo money and it's m-o-w no 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 but if you mo money is mo problems he don't want he don't want to go to imply problems no no he's making mo money through mowing it's mowing it's and people don't want to overpay for lawn care can we call it no mo problems 
And you call it no mo problems? No, because no, no, mowing. You, you guys are butchering the pun here. It's mowing money because he's making money from mowing. It's I feel like no mo problems is good. There's something that no mo problems. Yeah, like you don't have to mow. I'm no, gonna no, mow, no. So that makes you sound no like it's some problems. kind of weird thing where they're not mowing. They're not using mowers. What are they using, Annie? You got to invent a whole technology that forgoes mowers for years to work. I am you not your have assistant. No mo problems. You do not yell at me like this, Jesse Carey. <laughs> Annie, it was a perfectly good pun, and you guys decided to butcher it. <laughs> no, I just was workshopping it with you, Titus. I apologize for what's happened to your company today. It, yeah, I, I do apologize, and and you can use mow money. I'll consider. I'll consider a name change for sure. Thank just you. Pray All right. About it. Well, that's our, our listener of the week, Titus Kipfer. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Thanks, Best Titus. of luck with everything. Hey, thanks. Well, many thanks to Passion for joining us. Make sure to check out their new album, Follow You Anywhere. It just came out. It's available everywhere. And you can follow them on Twitter at Passion Music. Thanks also to Church Home for uh, sponsoring the show, making the episode possible. Remember, you can download the free Church Home global app. It's available at the App Store or Google Play. Or text RELEVANT to 555-888. That's Church Home, C-H-U-R-C-H-O-M-E, global, available in the App Store or Google Play. Or text RELEVANT to 555-888. Well, hey, if you like the show, uh, you should subscribe to the magazine. Uh, I mentioned it last last week, but there are some big, exciting things happening with Relevant Magazine this year. And um, being a subscriber is the way that you don't miss any of it. Go over to relevantmagazine.com and there's a good subscription deal going on right now. You should go check it out. Also, a little, uh, little foreshadowing. Next week. Next week. You know what's happening, Jesse, don't you? Next week. Some... Some out, some some new things will be coming from the show. I do, I do, and uh, I, I it's let's say this uh, back by popular demand. It's going to be awesome. Oh yeah, that's right, that's true. You know what I, you you know what I'm saying. Here, I know what you're I'll saying. say this. I'll say this. It, it it is a is it a way? It's a way to relive and share the magic of what happens here twice a week in a format uh, that, that that that's a great entry level for 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 people. Like let's. I don't want to give too much away, Cameron, but I, I'm very excited about this. It, it well, is, people it is, people do know that. I mean, I did announce that in early 2019 we will be going to video, and 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 we will be doing a a video podcast component to the audio show, and and that is coming. That that's mid February, but leading up to that, next week we start we start. Let's just say we start taking the steps toward the new video live show yeah starting next week it's gonna be a lot of fun all right on that note we'll wrap things up i'm cameron strang i'm chandler string i'm jesse carey i'm tyler huckabee and i'm annie f downs we will see you on friday have a good week everyone for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I want to live in the now. I'm not going to live in the past. Don't want to care about what is. Because what if those things don't last? And I want to live with no regrets. And then I say, clean it up! And I make a show of it in front of everyone. Watch them! Everyone! Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.